This is the Self-Development Podcast, episode number 11. Hey there, welcome to the podcast all about personal growth, pursuing goals, and becoming a better version of yourself. I'm your host, Leon Oscar Kidando, and in today's episode, I'm going to be answering a couple of listener questions. So a few weeks ago, I asked five of my friends to send me in some questions they may have on self-development or the podcast, the self-development podcast. They all sent me some amazing and thoughtful questions. So guys, if you're listening, thanks a million. My aim has always been to create discussions around this kind of content, you know, self-development and improving your life. So I hope you'll find this episode quite helpful. Hope you have got a cup of coffee in hand because this is going to take a while. It took me a while to think about the answers to these questions because they were really, really good questions. Okay, so without further delay, let's jump into the questions. So question number one comes from Njoro Kitindi. He says, for me, my question is about choosing the right path. I'm currently at a crossroads because of the opportunities I have and what I want to do. I want to better myself and to grow in my profession, but making the hard decision is a task. How do you make wise choices when you are at this stage? Because, for example, some of the choices you make could affect your personal relationships. I like what I do, where I work, there's growth opportunities and everything. But I'm not sure about whether some of the choices I'm making to better, to better myself are setting me on the right path. So, great question, Joro. Such dilemmas are common when it comes to building a better life for yourself. In fact, I would argue that they are just a natural part of the process. For you, you have the opportunity to explore career growth. Yet, you are aware that this might mean committing yourself to something that might have a negative impact on your personal life or your personal relationships, right? Again, not that the opportunity is bad, but certain opportunities can affect the current season of life you are in. Like you might be in school, you might be a parent to newly born children. The season of your life is very important to consider. So I have three things to say to you about such a dilemma. Number one, appreciate this experience. Call it a challenge, call it a confusing moment, a dilemma. But whatever name you want to give it, appreciate the fact that you have stumbled upon it. Why do I say that? These are the very challenges you need to figure out to take your life to the next level. These are the very challenges that help shape the person you become in the future. I call such challenges leadership exercises. Challenges that are outside your field of technical expertise, outside your years of experience living life, and more importantly, challenges that will need you to take actions that could have a long-term impact on those you care for. Being a parent is no easy job. Being a CEO is no easy job. Being a business owner is no easy job. And such experiences are a gateway into building your leadership. Appreciate, embrace, and expect more of these situations. So that was basically number one. Just appreciate the fact that this dilemma has come to you early. Number two, so let's get a bit more practical. 
when analyzing opportunities, don't always see them as they present themselves. For instance, if you get offered a position of the company that hired you after a couple of interviews, if you have a good track record, meaning you have worked in a few places before, your previous employers have never had problems with you, and you are the type of person that takes what they do seriously, then you're more likely to, more than likely to have negotiating power. You don't need to accept everything as they set it or as it is presented to you. If the job requires you to be in the office from eight to five, but you're taking a course in college, why not ask them if you could leave work an hour early and compensate over the weekends or check in early so that you can check out early? If work requires you to be traveling on the regular, why not assure them that you can do twice as much as work from home, saving the company money? Ask them for a month or two to try out your proposal, and if it doesn't work as you thought it would, then you would gladly go back to the suggested work plan or, or maybe even resign. My point is that you shouldn't make it seem as though you don't have any say in how you take on an opportunity. And to be honest, showing some employers or partners that you aren't just a yes man early on can work in your favor. It often shows qualities of leadership or it at least helps establish boundaries early on. My advice for playing the negotiation card is to understand the goals of the one providing the opportunity. For example, the goals of the company. Remember that the focus for them isn't that they are giving you an opportunity, but rather how will you play a part in helping them achieve whatever it is they are after. This is why you have to think about how you can reframe your own role into making them succeed more and not just make yourself comfortable. I hope you get what I mean. Number three, make sure that every decision you make, especially when it comes to your personal or professional life, is aligned to your vision of a better life, to where you want to end up. Now here lies the problem with so many of us. We live without any plan, map, or target, no long-term vision of life. Many of us have vague visions. For example, I want to retire at 60 with a lot of money. Do not be like these people. If you haven't already, spend a considerable amount of time working out what you want your ideal life to look like. Heck, close your eyes and imagine waking up, moving around your house, your kids, and what you will do at 11 a.m. The point is to try to paint a picture in your mind of the kind of life you believe is your best life. Then get a pen and paper and work out how much that will cost. I'm talking about how much it will take to build such a life. If you're married or are in a serious long-term relationship, involve your spouse, involve your partner. Figure out the financial budget now, the location now, and begin doing the math now. What I'm trying to say is that you should have some concrete idea of where you want to end up so that you can learn early the price you're going to have to pay. Because when you have no idea of how much the exact price will be, and by price, I'm not just talking about money, but this may also mean experience and expertise. But once you know what the price will be, won't that influence whatever decision you have to make today on how you will earn that price or amount? For instance, 
if in my mind I want to retire a stock trader and I'm dead sure that that's what I want because I've researched it for months and I know so many people who are stock traders living the life I want. Why in the world would I spend my current time, that is today, building a career in digital marketing? I hope you get what I mean. Wouldn't I best serve my ultimate goal by doing something or working as someone that is somehow related to my end goal of becoming a stock trader? I hope you get what I'm trying to say. You can get very easily distracted by the short-term goals of looking for funds without realizing that there is a life that you're not moving towards, evidenced by the way you're consuming every day of your life, by what you're doing every day of your life, by how you're making career choices. Make a life plan. And if you don't know what a life plan is, I will leave a link in the post for this episode to an article about life planning. You can then do some research on it. Do not let an opportunity set the direction of where you should end up. Instead, let your clear vision of where you want to end up influence your choice on what opportunities you should pursue and how you should pursue them. This isn't easy for many to do, but if you're sure that you value the long term over the short term, then definitely learn about life planning. That's all I have to say about that. Hope that was helpful. I want to reward you with two book recommendations for asking me your questions. The first is Essentialism by Greg McEwen, and the other is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. I have a strong feeling that you will like these two books. I will leave a link in the post for this episode to those two books. All right, question number two comes from Charles Lupali. He says... When you decide to go down the path of self-development, you realize that not everyone will necessarily follow you down that path as well. You might be trying to improve your life, and you probably seem like you're taking it very, very seriously. But maybe those around you don't care about it as much as you do. In your podcast and blog, you often insist that you have to form bonds and relationships with like-minded people. Like people who are also going through personal development or chasing success proactively. This way you can probably form like a mastermind. But what if those around you who are your relatives or close friends don't care about proactively pursuing their goals in that way? What do you do about such relationships? Do you abandon or ignore them? These are people you have probably known for a really long time. How do you deal with things like that? I know that you're very proactive about your pursuing your goals. But you have friends who are probably not as focused or proactive or as serious about goals as you are. Do you keep hanging around them? Lastly, what do you do if you're in a relationship, like an intimate relationship, but your partner isn't as focused as you about self-development or goals? Great question, Charles, and a very important one. First of all, there's no general answer or solution to such a challenge. On one hand, you're trying to get ahead in life. This causes you to be very self-focused, to work on what you want to achieve. On the other hand, you don't want to unnecessarily draw a line in the sand or create groups of people that are either with you or against against you in your efforts. You've read multiple times and you've heard me speak about creating intentional and success-focused associations with people. 
Yet, does this mean that you do away with lifelong friendships with people that are not as eager as you to pursue their callings? I sometimes like to keep up with how some of my favorite rappers are doing, from Jay-Z to J. Cole. And in their lyrics or during interviews, they sometimes talk about the fallouts they have with those around them. P. Diddy, Lil Wayne, the list is huge. And I don't just look at it as mere drama or celebrity gossip. I see it as real challenges faced by people pursuing success in their industry. With all the success they continue to get, they still have fallouts with those around them. Now, let's take a moment to understand something important. Personal relationships and the pursuit of one's goals do not need to be intertwined. You can have personal relationships that are independent of what you're trying to pursue. This is something many of us are capable of understanding. We're capable of creating such environments for ourselves. However, many of us do not always do this. We sometimes feel the need to involve those around us in our pursuits. We feel that because we know them, then we can involve them, that they will be more reliable, more trustworthy, ETC. Which is not true. Sometimes this isn't the case at all. You can still build a successful career without having to drag people along with you, especially if they don't see the world the way you do. It's a recipe for disaster if you're not good at reading and developing people. But let me also say this. You also don't want to have personal relationships that will be toxic to your pursuit. I have friends that may not be able to contribute to what I want, but I do not have friends that are directly preventing me from working on my goals on my own. I cannot tolerate people who I feel are trying to hold me back despite the fact that I haven't invited them to help me pursue my goals. To me, that is where I draw the line. That's where I create the distinction. Finally, the best scenario you can ever have is being around people who are just as eager as you to pursue a better life and who are really good friends in your personal life. Imagine having such a spouse or partner. One, pass, one person can only do so much on their own. I hope you see what I'm trying to say. Don't immediately merge your personal life with your professional life. I guess we can call it that. Do so only with people who see the world the way you do. If you are in need of such people, you will definitely go searching for them. They do more good than harm in my opinion. So yeah, I will always advise people pursuing goals in any industry to seek people who resonate with them, who are like-minded. To me, that can be a great source of knowledge, motivation, and companionship, among other things. Those around you that don't see the world as you see it, but who respect you, look out for you and are just great to be around, they don't need to be excluded from your life just because they aren't with the self-development program. And don't force them to be. But also be on your guard to not let them convince you into stop pursuing a better life. That's it. Now for you, I would recommend going through Michael Hyatt's podcast, This Is Your Life. He has a ton of wisdom and he has seen a lot in life and he has managed to somehow find a good balance in life between pursuing one's goals and being there for those who are around you. His podcast has helped me reshape my thinking. A very awesome person. Hope that helps.
Question number three comes from Gaurim De. He asked, how exactly does changing mindset, which self-development promotes, actually change whatever current situation or environment that someone finds themselves in? How does one break free from what he or she has been used to seeing for a prolonged period of time? Sometimes, because people have been immersed in such a life for a long time, they don't even know what else is out there. And they probably don't even trust that there's anything beyond what they know. They process life from that existing point of view. Great question, Gauri. A single thought can cause several body parts to move. So a single thought can cause our bodies to take some type of action. Whether this be a step forward, to speak, to pick up a book, to turn on the TV. Multiple thoughts, especially if those thoughts are related or directed towards some one objective, have the power to turn us into carpenters, writers, business owners, artists, psychiatrists, footballers, video game developers, and so on. So yes, mindset can change the situations around us. How we think is directly linked to the events that play out in our lives and the events that we allow to continue playing out in our lives. I hope we can agree on one thing. Two people put under the same set of external conditions can have two very different and maybe even opposite reactions to whatever's happening around them. An example of this can be seen in a situation where two people who appear to come from the same economic background, who later attend, attend the same school, could later grow up to become two very different people, where one is a successful business owner while the other is struggling to make ends meet. If their external situations are fairly the same, the only other explanation for why their lives branch off into different directions has to be their attitudes towards life and how they choose to live which is mindset. What ultimately separates achievers from non-achievers is how their mindset and habits are set. How they think and what they do. And what they do is always a result of how they think. This is something we're not taught early on and not taught on a continuous basis. How our outcomes, our futures are greatly influenced by our everyday thoughts and choices. It's one thing to suddenly find yourself in a situation you do not like. It is something entirely different to allow yourself to keep tolerating that situation. You should read the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. He talks about a powerful concept called the burning desire. He says that a burning desire to be, to do, and to attain is the starting point of all achievement. The root ingredient for a better life or success must be a strong desire to be, to do, or to attain that which you want most. Such a desire can cause you to reject any external situation that you do not want, no matter the nature of that external situation. Such a desire can cause you to stay awake working on a plan to take your life to the next level while others get to bed early. Such a desire will force you to learn that which you do not necessarily want to learn but must learn so that you can develop that app 
or write that book or become that artist or join that football team. Such a desire will tell you to shut out anyone that tries to talk you out of pursuing that which matters most to you and to seek better, more supportive, like-minded people that are just as focused and as determined as you are. This is what makes people different. This is why some people seem weird, strange, obsessed, yet 100% focused on whatever it is they want to do or they do. Because these people understand well how a desire to be whoever it is they want to be can take over your life, guiding you down a path that you believe is the path you should be on. What I believe is that we need to learn early on about how our minds are capable of shaping our lives and aligning our everyday life to that which we want most. Again, my book recommendation is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. The title doesn't make sense at first, but after you go through this book a few times, it will make sense. It is the best example of just how far you can transform your mindset into making it make yourself change your life for the better. I hope that answers your question. Okay, the next question comes from Daniel Marandu. Actually, he asked a couple of questions, so I shall process them one at a time. His first question, do people understand that there's no limit, especially age-wise, when it comes to personal development? That said, one question I have is how are you aligning your personal development with your skills bank? I like this question because it highlights something important. Many people don't fully understand why self-development is even necessary in the first place. Many people see others sharing success quotes online and using words like pursue, dream, success, then think that maybe that's what self-development or personal development is all about. But consider these questions. Do you know where you are in life? Do you know your strengths, your weaknesses? What are you capable of? How do you feel? Do you feel accomplished, fulfilled? And most importantly, do you know what you want out of your life, what you want most? The personal development process is the one and only thing that can help you get to where you need to be, to become who you need to be. Going through personal development is like having a great boxing coach. Your coach knows your strengths and weaknesses and studies how you move around the ring and interact with your opponent so that he can set you up on the right training routines to develop whatever it is he thinks you need to develop in order to win or to become a great boxer. Personal development is all about turning yourself into both a good coach and a great boxer so that you stand a better chance at succeeding in the different areas of your life. There's no limit on how much personal development you can go through. Generally, once you start and become serious about it, you might never stop. When it comes to aligning your self-development with your skills bank, let me say again that the part, that part of self-development or part of the self-development process is about knowing who you are and what you're capable of. As a part of the self-development process, people look at whatever skills they currently have Maybe they're good programmers, good writers, good listeners, good speakers. 
Then they look at opportunities to use what they already know to get further ahead in their careers, businesses, or life in general. If you feel stuck at a job, go through some process of self-evaluation, critical thinking. Analyze your strengths, your contributions, your ambitions. Then work out what's missing. Is it a new position, a new work environment, the addition of a new skill? All this is a part of the self of the personal development process. Daniel's second question was this. Secondly, say you want to start the journey on personal development. What better version of yourself are you looking to become? Personally, in my journey, and not to say or make any impression that I've achieved much, but in this journey I've come to realize personal values are the drivers of personal development. That being said, what personal values do you aspire to have and want to be defined by? So that when someone looks at you, you know, from the outside, do you want to portray like you're someone of integrity? Are you evil? Are you objective? Are you professional? ETC. Okay, Danny, so what I understand is that you're asking if you have a sort of uh, set character or ideal person you're aiming to become. Not that you want to just succeed, but does someone have to focus on becoming a certain type of person? Then you mentioned personal values and how these values can represent the better version of yourself. So are you aligning yourself or are you guided by values that represent being a better version of yourself? Because such things are often visible by others, right? Are you building trust with others? Are you working on your presentation and being more professional as a goal? Are you trying to become a better person overall? Because being a person of integrity can be a goal too, right? That's what I understand from your question. This is another good point you've highlighted. When you decide to pursue any goal, especially one that is related to your career or business in any way, it's important to never forget the interaction element. You may be working on yourself, but you should never forget to work on your interaction with other people. Don't just work on skill, but work on presentation, work on being a clear communicator, work on building trust with people that you think could help later on in life. All these qualities are just as important as in some cases even more important than developing technical skills or products or services. We are social beings and our success definitely comes from how well we establish ourselves among other people. If we are talented in any way but lack integrity, a lot of people won't want to do business with us or hire us. If we don't know how to present ourselves professionally, it doesn't matter how great our product is. People may not give us five minutes to do a presentation. This is why I respect the sales process. If there's one thing that has taught me a lot about people, it's selling. I love selling. I want to get better and better at it. Selling has taught me just how important trust, empathy, integrity, patience, and other qualities are important in building a better business. So this has me working on those types of qualities on myself, which in the end is helping me become a better person. So great point. 
Third question from Danny is, and when it comes to skills, what sort of skills do you currently have and what sort of skills do you aspire to have that are relevant to the times we live in, both technical and soft skills? Hmm. Here, I will assume that you're talking about staying up to date. For example, how are you incorporating modern technology into your personal development process? Or how are you adopting to the ever-changing job and business landscape, for example, right? I guess here you probably had in mind people who are rigid and don't see the value in keeping up with the direction the country or the world is going, right? Especially as it relates to personal growth and building a better life. If that's the case, first of all, I agree that you have to pay attention to the world around you. Really pay attention. You have to pay attention to the job market, the business arena, technology, because all these and more will affect how you yourself will make progress towards your own agendas. Like, for example, I know that there's a trend in the video game industry today. You see, before, video games were made by big companies with high budgets and large teams. Different people with different skill sets working together under one roof to bring out one result. But today, you have independent game developers like myself a one-person or two-person team working on a single video game, taking care of the programming, graphics, music, marketing, selling, PR, distribution. Something that people in the past would think would be crazy for one or two people or a small team to handle. But that's the world we live in today. Accountants are now expected to have a good understanding of basic computer skills, even if they never did computers in college. The lawyer that can create Android apps is the law firm's first choice when it comes to hiring. Businesses run by just three people, but are now capable of serving thousands thanks to technology and the internet. So as a part of personal development, I do think it's important to consider the times we live in. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you don't have a personal website, why? If you don't have a blog, why? Get with the program, dude. I don't want to get into, the, into it on this episode, but I will definitely be talking about personal development and having an online presence. Okay, the last question from Danny. Last one. How do you keep track of your personal development since most of the items are intangible? Do you have a journal? How do you measure your goals on an annual, quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily, or hourly basis? If you can't measure it, you can't be certain to attain it. Great point. Danny should probably be my co-host on the self-development podcast. I mean, you're very right. Tracking is very, very, very important in the self-development process. Without tracking, you won't be able to accurately measure the progress you are making. I have read about so many achievers who made journaling a habit. And they owe a lot of their mindset shifts to the journaling habit. One thing we must understand is that our minds are not the best storage devices. And they are very good at editing events. To make sure that you make objective evaluations of your efforts and choices, write them down. Review them at the end of the week if that's your process. But do not keep them in your mind. It is not effective. And now that I mentioned review, it is important to reflect. Journaling is the process of recording events 
and maybe how you feel or felt. But reflection is the process of trying to make sense of all those journal entries about your efforts, about your overall mental and physical health, about how you live. You wouldn't drive a car for three years straight without regularly checking to make sure that it's still in good condition, now would you? So why would you wake up every morning for 10 years working without checking up on yourself? Are you on the right track? Are you in the right state of mind? Are you moving towards your goals? People wait until they get to the near end of their lives only to think back and regret on the choices they made 30 years ago. You can avoid all that by reflecting regularly. Keep analyzing your existence. Are you doing things that mean anything to you personally? This is your life. Danny, I recommend you reading all four volumes of The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. I really think you will like these books. Thanks for the questions. And the final set of questions comes from Patience Maina. Her first question was, what takes us so long to begin the personal development journey? Fantastic question. Um, exposure, fear, and ignorance. That's what I think. Many of us find the concept of self-development quite new and mysterious. Like I had said previously, many believe it's about motivational quotes, being positive no matter what, and so many other wrong ideas. I mean, I used to think that was what self-development or self-help was about. It was only after I really embraced it and gave it a chance that I really came to understand what it was. Had it not been from a, for a random blog post, I wouldn't be speaking on this podcast today. I have always been one who was interested in bettering my life. I have always dived headfirst into a lot of things I do because I really wanted to and still want to change my life for the better. I just wasn't exposed like so many other people are today. People don't know that they have the power to transform their own lives uh, with their own efforts. It's why I even started this blog to add even more awareness on how personal development can lead to personal achievement. Second is fear. There are people that are just too afraid to change. They know what they need to do and they are exposed to these concepts like self-development, but they are just afraid. People who have been so conditioned by their past that they can't realign themselves to create a different future. I mean, people go through a lot in life, so I understand this. And I usually don't like to push people too much when I realize that they're really afraid to change. It's not my place to force people to take steps. We can only show people what we have learned, show them that we have chosen to live different lives and hope that they will fight their own battles before they can commit to going down the path of self-development. Like you, patients, I know you and I know that this idea of bettering your life and pursuing that which matters most to you is very important to you. So important that you are willing to dedicate the rest of your life to becoming the type of person that gets what she wants. But not many people see things that way. I don't have a degree in human psychology, so I'm not even sure if this is something that can be changed in every single human being. Even in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, he says that 
those who are ready for success will surely make the effort to work, to work towards attaining it, but only if they're ready for it. I feel like that was a disclaimer when he wrote that, that not every single one of us on this planet will go for success, but the ones that will, it is because they are ready for it. And I may be wrong, but I believe when he said that, he was definitely talking about state of mind. Anyway, the last reason why people don't start on personal development early is ignorance. Either they are stubborn or full of pride or have some quality in them that just rejects this idea of personal development. This is the one area where I cannot speak a lot on because I simply do not understand why. There are people who don't believe in learning from others. There are people who don't think that working on bettering themselves is a good use of their time. And these people I cannot understand. What I've noticed is that the pride and stubbornness are usually the things that cause them to badmouth or ignore self-development. Patience asked a second question. She asked, what does it take to stay on the journey? Okay, wow, that's an interesting but tough question. And the reason why I say that is because I haven't been doing this long enough to really have a concrete response. So the best I can do is give you my own experience. And for me, what keeps me going are the following. Number one, clarity of purpose. Knowing exactly what I want and knowing exactly what I do not want. Number two is discipline. Showing up to work on my personal goals with as much discipline or even more discipline than when I was working for someone else. I wake up the same time every day, including Sundays, and I stick to my schedule. I do not tolerate ad hoc requests or requests that interfere with my daily schedule. When it's time to go to work, I go to work. Number three is setting and only working on smart goals that have a noticeable impact. I do not waste a single second on goals that are vague and unmeasurable. Everything I work on must have a clear goal with a clear deadline and whose progress I can easily measure. In the past, I would work on unimportant projects that seem to go nowhere and at the end of the day, such work would demoralize me. And finally, intentional relationships. I maintain two kinds, kinds of relationships, personal relationships with people I've always respected and who I usually have known for a really long time, and then industry-specific relationships, people that I respect and who understand my professional ambitions, people who I can talk to about my goals, what I'm working on, without sounding boring, confusing, or nerdy, people that can help me and I can help them. These people uh, from the second relationship, from the, the second type of relationships that I maintain, they keep me going. Fellow game developers, fellow programmers, fellow you know, music producers, people who are into self-development just as much as I am. I think that's it. Anyway, her last question was, and the last question for this episode what made you begin your personal journey into self-development? Thanks a lot for this question, Patience. In 2014, I had reached a point in my life where I felt very, very sure that I wasn't going down a path that would lead me to a better life. 
At the time, I was employed and I was working on a job that seemed to keep demanding more and more out of me. I mean, it was natural, I guess. I had grown over the years. I started off not knowing or doing much, but as the years passed, more and more responsibility and work was sent my direction. However, I didn't feel like I was growing fast enough, financially, career-wise. Actually, I didn't feel like I was growing at all. And this drove me into a kind of depression. Because at that point, I thought about the work I had done on myself, trying to keep up with the demands of the work I was assigned, the sacrifices I made, the opportunities I had missed because year after year, I kept telling myself that I was moving towards something great. And for some reason, I felt like I couldn't do too much about it. I felt like complaining about trivial things at, like at work uh, would get nowhere because my real issue, my overall issue was that I didn't feel like I was where I needed to be in life. Add to that, I was homesick. I hadn't stepped foot in the country in years. Why? Because I was working hard to get to where I thought I needed to be. So I never let a single day go by without fully utilizing it to build the life I wanted. Plus, work was demanding. And like an idiot, I created a culture around how I worked that kind of trapped me into not getting a long enough break. Performance punishment. Words cannot really describe just how down and out I felt. It was a truly dark time for me. I picked up really destructive behaviors. I was surely on a decline and I felt alone. One day for some odd reason, I googled the situation I was in. I asked Google, what do you do if you aren't feeling fulfilled at work? Well, that wasn't exactly what I googled and I don't want to say what I googled, but the first search result that popped up was a link to a post on the michaelhyatt.com blog. I will leave a link to the blog on the post for this episode. But that post changed my life. For the first time, I felt like I was not alone, that someone from another part of the world could relate to exactly what I was going through. It changed everything about me. I began reading more and more from Michael's blog. I then discovered he had a podcast, which I immediately subscribed to. That podcast is so good. It helped me get through a lot. The podcast is called This Is Your Life. I'll also leave a link in the post for this episode. It helped me so much. Later, Michael introduced me to other podcasters. Pat Flynn from the Smart Passive Income podcast, to whom I owe my idea of getting into the software development business. John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. Shalene Johnson from Build Your Tribe. I think she changed the name of the podcast though. I will leave a link to all these podcasts on the blog post. These people introduced me to self-help authors, successful business people, and entrepreneurs such as Gary Vaynerchuk, Napoleon Hill, Jason Fried, Amy Porterfield, Seth Godin, Chris Gilbo, Brian Tracy, and the list goes on. I didn't realize just how exciting I found entrepreneurship, and this drove me to explore and research self-employment. I became an avid reader. I, I began reading like those no tomorrow. In the, in the past three years, I've collected about 140 books on various topics 
such as business, self-development, psychology, mental health, money, finance, marketing, politics, technology, leadership, and the list goes on. I quit my job early the following year, moved back home to start from scratch, and made the choice to own and run my own business. So yeah, that's when it happened, and that's what happened after that. Here we are today. Patience, I recommend you read the book, The Law of Success, all four volumes. It's a fantastic book on self-development. No other book touches all the subtopics around self-development quite like that one. Okay, that's it. No more questions. A massive thank you to the people who sent me their questions. I hope I was able to be helpful. If you would like to ask a question that I answer on the show, just get in touch with me via social media or email. Or if you know me personally, send me a message on WhatsApp. My social media handle is Kidando and that's at Kidando, K-I-D-A-N-D-O. My email is leon at kidando.net. Hope you found this episode informative. I greatly, greatly appreciate you spending this time with me. Here's where we'll say adios. Until next time, remember to always make progress and not excuses. Stay cool.